Here's what I want to say to you today. I think all of us, in one way or another, strive for a good sense of balance in our life. And that is an admirable thing to do, though it's not necessarily an easy thing to do. Those of you who've done a little living know that that's true. It's, uh, it can be a challenge to maintain proper balance between work and play, between home life and work life, uh, between marriage and children even. Uh, balance in, in all your relationships, but not only in that dimension, in that realm, but there is a spiritual balance in all of us which demands our attention as well. Pastor Des used to say to me, Dan, God gives, just, gives each of us just enough trials in our life to keep us on our knees, gives us just enough challenges and, and difficulties and trouble in our life to keep us on our knees, but he gives us enough victories to give us faith and courage to keep going on. There's a balance in all of that. We all love the blessings, don't we? But the truth is, there is a balance. Whether we like it or not, we need both. We need the trials and we need the victories. Because if we only have the blessings, which we're all fond of, then we can easily become very proud if we live in the blessing world only. And frankly, there's a danger once you get to that point that you only are living for the blessings that you can become somewhat useless in the kingdom of God, dare I say it. So God, in his infinite wisdom, permits us to have burdens as well. Now, I'm going to tell you what I told a couple of brothers earlier this morning in my office. I'm as surprised as you're going to be in a moment at the text the Lord has directed me to for today. If I'm really brutally honest with you, I tried to turn away from it several times, but it's where the Lord kept pointing me back to. In the early part of chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, and we're going to head there in a moment if you want to begin going that direction. In the earlier part of that chapter 12, the Apostle Paul tells us about an experience that he had in he had a vision of heaven. Obviously, it's glorious and ecstatic. And what he claims in this vision that he heard wonderful and inexpressible secrets that were sacred is literally the verbiage we see. But God knew that his experience in heaven and with this vision could have ruined his ministry on earth. So God in his goodness, who's thankful for the goodness of the Lord this morning? How many know there's lots of expressions of God's goodness to us? God in his goodness permitted Satan to buffet him or to torment him in order to keep him from becoming proud. Something difficult to deal with became the bane of Paul's existence. Can I just say that the, the, the mystery of human suffering will not be solved for you or me completely in this life. Just like you, I find myself asking all the why questions when suffering happens, both for me, for my, anyone in my family, for anyone in our church family, friends, all the why questions. And that's not abnormal to ask those questions, but I have really come to a place in this part of my journey in walking with the Lord 
of realizing that I'm going to be frustrated if I, if I strive too hard to get answers for the why questions. Not all my questions are going to be answered in this life. There are, there are questions, and if you know me and my uh, penchant for being a little too organizational, I have a list of questions that I'm taking to the Lord as soon as I get to the gates of heaven. Now, the, real, the reality of it is this. I'm just barely smart enough to know that I'm sure when I walk through those gates, I'm going to take that list and throw it to the wind because it won't matter because I want to see Jesus most of all. Anybody with me on that today? But it's, um, I recommend that you get a good grip on your why questions, that you, you, you get a, a, a healthy understanding that you might get an answer. God may be gracious and allow that to happen, but you may be waiting all the way to heaven before you get an answer, and that's going to have to be okay. Sometimes the best answer we have is that we suffer simply because we are human. You, you might not have noticed this, but our bodies change as we get older. If you've not noticed it yet, just keep living. Which makes us susceptible to the normal problems of life. The same body that can bring us pleasure can also bring us pain. Is there a witness in the house today? Likewise... The same family members and friends who delight us can also break our hearts. Am I right about that? Folks, it's simply called living. It's simply called living. So it's interesting for, to me to note that right after Paul, the Apostle Paul, in the first part of 2 Corinthians 12, tells us about the ecstasy of his vision of heaven in the first six verses, he brings us then to verse 7. I'm asking you to stand and read it to me, please. Would you stand quickly? And you're going to read to me 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Go. And before we, can, can we go back to that? I, I had him highlight that. It's rare that you see Paul start and end the same verse with the same sentence. Now, usually when there is a duplication of that in Scripture, it's something you should pay attention to. Go on to the next screen. Let's keep going. Go ahead. Concerning... How many of you can say, I'm not there yet? <laughs> now, you know where liars are going to go, folks. <laughs> Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. But then he ends this by saying, Now, you know this, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand 
forever. Thank you. You may be seated. Yes, I agree. It seems an odd topic for today. Um, You know, we have some guests with us, and I I, I probably should be preaching on new beginnings. I should be preaching on whatever else. And I kept saying to the Lord, thorn in the flesh? That's what I'm going to be preaching on Sunday? I want to share for just a few minutes this morning on the purpose of a thorn. The purpose of a thorn. For those of us who preach the gospel, it is very necessary for us to keep a specific keen eye upon our enemy, Satan. Because if you're not careful, prayerful, and diligent in sermon preparation, Satan will urge you to preach a gospel that is reasonable but not powerful. He will urge you to preach a gospel that is exciting but has no authority to it whatsoever. He will urge you to preach a gospel that flatters but does not confront. That's probably another way of saying to you, fasten your seatbelt. But am I telling you the truth? All right. A.W. Tozer, great, great Christian author. Did I say his last name right? Okay. I usually get corrected by a certain son when I mispronounce his name. A.W. Tozer, his great, great Christian author, says, it is doubtful that God will use you greatly until he has first hurt you deeply. Dr. Billy Graham says, if you're going to be a child of God, you're going to have to be on speaking terms with trials and tribulations. The late Dr. A. Lewis Patterson says, if God will use you, then pain and trouble will know your address. <laughs> so you made the house that's walked with God long enough to know this is the truth. And our Lord Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for as we read this text this morning from Second Corinthians, written by the saged Apostle Paul, let me just um, put this in con- his words in context. Let's be reminded about some important facts about Paul. It's important to remember that he was a Jew by birth and a Roman by citizenship. Paul was a tent maker by trade and a lawyer by profession. He was a Pharisee by religious training. He spoke 13 languages, seven of them fluently. A Hebrew of the Hebrews, he said, of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. He studied systematic theology in the land of Arabia and metaphysical dynamics at the feet of Gamaliel. And yet this is the man. He's got some credentials. He's got some skins on the wall. And yet this is the man who says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So here's Paul with all of his credentials. Paul with his worldly acclaim. The labels of the empire are on his luggage. He's been preaching in Thessalonica and in Berea. He preached the gospel in Corinth and on Mars Hill. 
He's been everywhere preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and now he's coming to the end of his life and God has afflicted him with a thorn, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, he says, lest I should be exalted above measure. I've already drawn your attention to the fact that 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 verse 7 both opens and closes with that same sentence, lest I be exalted above measure. Now, we do not know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. There's lots of speculation. Theologians, since the time Scripture was written, have been talking about what that thorn was, and some people are just sure they know, but no one actually knows. But I, I will take you to the root The word thorn in the Greek is the word scallops, not scallops, but scallops. And when translated, that word scallops, which is the clearly the the the, uh, the the Greek word used for thorn, it means a sharp stake used for torturing or impaling someone. Pleasant to think of, isn't it? So we know it was a physical affliction of some kind that brought pain and distress. To Paul, we can pretty much be assured of that. Some Bible students think that Paul had an eye affliction. Others have said epilepsy. Others have said all kinds of things that have been proposed uh, as to what the thorn was specifically. We cannot know for sure what it was, but we can this morning talk about some possible purposes of a thorn in the flesh which can apply to you and me. Let me just give you the first one. If you want to take notes, the larger points will be on the, on the wall screens. A thorn will regulate your flesh. Would you say that, please? Can I just tell you, you're not going to like this next five minutes, okay? This is not the fun part. Because this is another way of saying, lest I think too highly of myself. Lest I be exalted above measure, were his words. Lest I start thinking that I am more than I I really am. That's how a thorn is going to regulate your, your flesh. Folks, God has to keep our feet on the ground. One of the phrases we use quite often around here is when we're talking about someone, we will say, and this is a very high compliment, he has his feet on the ground and his heart toward the Lord. She has her feet on the ground and her heart toward the Lord. Both of those have great significance and meaning in the life of a believer. God has to keep our feet on the ground. He has to keep us rooted and grounded, lest I should be exalted above measure. Because if I begin to glory in myself, then God cannot receive glory from my life. And no flesh, I said, no flesh can glory in his presence. Is there a witness in the house today? Because he and he alone is the fountain from which all else flows. Christ and Christ alone is the root from which all else grows and no flesh can glory in his presence. Amen. Every now and then, every once in a while, God has to remind us, doesn't matter how smart you are, Doesn't matter how much you think you know, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter how much money you have or how many square feet are in your house, it makes no difference because you are no match for God. Everything you have, everything I have has come from the Lord. Even the breath that is in our lungs we sang a while ago. Every gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. 
And when God blesses us, and thank God he does, our problem, just like the children of Israel, is that we can easily forget who it was that brought us. We easily forget who it was that supplied for us. How easily we forget who has provided for us. Easily we forget that from him and through him and to him are all things. Though we may on this day carry some of the marks of success, and it's a wonderful day that we have nice homes, nice cars, the ability to travel the world, but do not forget who it was that brought you to where you are today. Paul said, lest I should be exalted above measure. Probably one of the best examples we have in Scripture of who had a problem with this was Nebuchadnezzar. He's a great example of one who became exalted above measure. He started thinking he was all that in a bag of chips, as we would say. It's worded a little bit different than King James. <laughs> but he lifted up his throne above the throne of God. He walked out on the roof of his palace where the, the hanging gardens of Babylon were one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Nebuchadnezzar said, oh, great Babylon, oh, great Babylon. And he talked about how great he was. And he spoke of himself as though he were a god. And the scriptures say in Daniel chapter 4 that in that very same hour, he grew feathers like a bird, he grew talons like an, like an eagle, and he ate grass like a cattle. And it was not until he raised his head and realized who God truly was that his reasoning returned. Whenever you think that you are more than the one who called you, more than the one who's provided for you, you simply do not understand the sovereignty of God. Whenever you think that, that, that God can't get along without you, something is amiss within your heart and mind. Don't ever get to thinking that if you don't sing it, it won't get sung. That if you don't preach it, it won't get preached. That if you don't teach it, it won't get taught. Because the reality of it is this. I try to think of a nicer way of saying it. But God has someone warming up in the wings right now ready to take your place. Every one of us, starting with me, every one of us are replaceable. And every once in a while, we need that little gentle nudge, a reminder that it's not about us. You knew you should have gone to church someplace else today, didn't you? <laughs> the first purpose of the thorn is this. It will regulate your flesh. A thorn will do that. Pain will do that. Discomfort will do that. Remind you that uh, you need to be grounded in who you are. The second purpose of the thorn a thorn will rejuvenate your faith. Will you say that, please? You know, it's true for all of us. There are times, some of you may be there today, when we just simply get our faith becomes weak. It's not as strong as it is at other times. All kinds of things can cause that to happen. You can, be, you can do the best, you can, even when we do the best that we can. Your good work and your good effort can be ill spoken of by some people. You may give it your best shot and some people still aren't gonna like it. They're gonna get on Facebook and talk about you. They're gonna do and say all kinds of things. You go out of your way to help 
people, doing the best you can to be nice to people, and for some reason, unbeknownst to you, they stop speaking to you. You can, it can feel like a, like, like a, a sucker punch and, and, and weaken your faith when those kinds of things happen. People can, can do that to you. You give money to someone and that very person finds a reason to get mad at you and not pay you back. It, it, it can, that kind of thing can, can weaken your faith. God, why didn't you? And that, that person that, that, that you had tried to help, they may think they're getting something over on you, but I'm here to tell you this morning, they are not. Let me tell you what they're doing. They are simply making room in you for God to bless you with more. You know, we talk about making space. I hear that phrase more often these days. We need to make space for this. You need to make space in your mind for, or you need to make space, making space. I think it's amazing to see what God can do when we make space for him to do more work within us. If you be not weary in well-doing in due season, you will reap if you faint not. Even when someone delights in taking advantage of you, God will make it up. Hallelujah. God knows how to open a door that has been closed in your face, church. He can still make a way out of no way. Who's thankful for it today? God will make your enemies your footstool. He will fight your battle for you. Just learn how to hold your peace. A thorn will regulate your flesh. A thorn will rejuvenate your faith. When Becky and I moved to Texas and bought our first little home, I'll never forget, it was in Bedford. We paid $40,000 for that house. Can I tell you, I thought the world was gonna come to an end or I was gonna come to my end. I could not believe. How on earth were we gonna handle a $400 a month house payment every month? We had never paid more at that time, more than $223 in rent for an apartment up to that point. Now, that was 1926. <laughs> no, it was 1978. It's a brand new little Horton home in Bedford, but it did not come with landscaping. <clears throat> and we had to put all that in. And uh, coming from the Midwest, as we had, we had been raised around lots of evergreens and um, other kinds of bushes and shrubbery. When we moved to Texas, we had to learn what a crepe myrtle was. So we put one in. Ours never looked that good. <laughs> That's some stock photo. That is, that is very nice, but ours never looked like that, okay? We put one in and it grew nicely. We really liked it and we kind of felt like we'd paid a pretty penny for it. So the day came when a young man was going up and down our little street and he was given a good price on trimming landscaping to, uh, to all the neighbors. It was that season. Now, I, I'm new to Texas and I'm new to crepe myrtles, okay? Yeah, don't give it away. You know where I'm going. Since I didn't have any equipment to trim anything with anyway, I decided to hire him to do the job. It was a reasonable price. So we got him all started and, and I went in the house for a few minutes. And when I came back out, he was in the middle of cutting down that crepe myrtle way further than I was expected. Put that other picture up. <laughs> and with a loving Christian shout, I said, what are you doing? 
hold on, hold, oh, no, 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 oh, no, what, what are you doing? He said, sir, I'm just, I'm just trimming this crepe myrtle. I said, I just wanted it trimmed. I didn't want to get rid of it completely. And he said, sir, if I don't trim it down like this, it will become top heavy. It's that time of year. It's that season for them to be pruned, he said. Well, I was young, but I'd heard about prunes. <laughs> I didn't like what I'd heard about them. <laughs> if I don't prune it, it will become top heavy. Have you considered today, what's our point? We're on a thorn will rejuvenate your faith. Have you considered, dear friend, that, that God, what God may be up to in your life is a pruning, a cutting away? Mary Evans, too many times in the last 44 years, you've looked at me and said, Dan, God's pruning. And I never liked it once when you said it to me. <laughs> but I knew you were right. Because if God doesn't cut you, if God doesn't prune you, you will become top heavy. If God doesn't send a thorn for your flesh, you'll, be start, you'll start behaving in a way that is unbecoming to a Christian. Your spiritual balance will go out of whack. It's too easy for us to become cocky and overconfident and extremely sure of ourselves as if we're the only one who's right. If God does not chop and bruise and cut you, you just might think that you are more than you really are. Jesus is the one who said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, the gardener. Every branch that is bearing, the ones that aren't bearing fruit, he cuts those off and throws them away. Every branch that is bearing fruit, he cuts it, he prunes it. Why? So that it might bear more fruit. God just might be rejuvenating your faith through this process called pruning. God has to give us a, a thorn for us to have a constant reminder of our weakness. I, I, I want to be reminded. I, I feel like I know every day. But I, I need to be reminded. And dear friend, you need to be reminded. We are weak so that our dependence upon him becomes greater and greater and greater. And our dependence on ourself, will, our, our will of our ingenuity, our ideas becomes less and less and less. Now there are many of you who, like me, know a little something about a thorn. We know the purpose of a thorn. We've had a few. We certainly know the pain of a thorn. But I can't close this message until I mention something about the promise of a thorn. It does not matter what you're going through today. And I'm privileged to be in the position of your pastor. I know what many of you are going through. And I know how difficult, I know how dark, I know how complex, I know how heartbreaking it is. But it doesn't matter what you're going through and we're all going through something. And I know that many of you today are pleading as Paul did, said thrice he pled with God to take the thorn away. You may be pleading with God to remove your thorn over and over and over. But the good news today is this. God's promise to Paul is the same promise offered to you today, and that is this. In the ninth verse of our text, 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians, my grace 
is sufficient for you. You know what that really means? He's more than enough, dear friend. He's more than able. My grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in weakness. Divine power, God's power is best displayed against the backdrop of human weakness so that God and God alone receives all the praise. What we see from our text this morning is that rather than removing the problem, God gave Paul grace in the problem. Doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter how many of your enemies are saying that you're not gonna make it. God's grace is sufficient for you today. I don't care what it looks like today, how dark it may seem, God's grace is sufficient for you today. I don't care how bad the situation may become, if everything you have feared has come upon you, God's grace is sufficient for you today. Is there any testimony in the house today, anyone in the house today who can be a witness to the fact, yes, you've had your situation, but you found that his grace is sufficient for you and that his strength is made perfect in your weakness. The last little point, the third purpose of the thorn is this. A thorn will recreate your frame of reference. After Paul had received the words of Christ that God's grace was sufficient for him, God's strength was made perfect in weakness, it completely changed his frame of reference. You read it. For then Paul said in the 10th verse, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God's grace transformed Paul's perspective. Just before I came out here for the service, I just happened to glance at the Passion translation of this same verse 10, and it says it like this. I loved it. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. For when I feel my weakness and I endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. I love that. So what he's basically telling us this, experiences in his uh, ministry that he would naturally abhor, he would now welcome supernaturally because of what God had done in him. Because the evidence of Christ's power in the midst of them brought glory to Christ and not to Paul. When Paul came to the end of himself, Christ alone was seen. Paul learned profoundly that when he was weak, then Christ by his strength could make Paul spiritually strong. Dear church, the thorn you are bearing today has purpose. It has divine purpose. It may be needed to regulate your faith. The thorn you are experiencing today has purpose. God could be using that thorn to rejuvenate your faith in the midst of what seems like pain, discomfort, disappointment, heartache, heartbreak with people. He could be saying, that's making space for me to bless you, for me to come in and, and develop a different intimacy with you. The thorn you are bearing today has purpose and most assuredly the, that thorn will recreate your frame of reference. Maybe you're the one who's in that position of saying, God, I'm really not happy with this thorn. 
I've asked more than three times for you to take it away. But I'm gonna ask this by faith today. And I'm gonna believe supernaturally it will happen that you will recreate my frame of reference to understand that I'll begin to see you and the possibilities of you in this situation. Therefore, let us rejoice in the goodness of God and in his faithfulness to us. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can the church say amen?